0: This morning's passage is in the letter of Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. Chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, Look at this passage together, let us pray. Father, we thank you for your for your word. We thank you that I do not use your word this morning, but that your word uses me to speak to your people. We pray, Lord, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, working in our inner being, that we would know the love of Christ this morning and that we would hear the message that you've got for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me start by asking you a question. What is the most essential way of helping someone who's struggling in the Christian life? Not the only way of helping, but the essential, the always necessary and never to be forgotten way of helping someone who's struggling. Well, I want to suggest this morning that if we imitate Paul, we'll get our answer. In verses 14, he gets on his knees before the father And he prays. He prays for the Christians in Ephesus. I don't know about you, but I have to remind myself regularly that all my praying, it actually works. God actually does things because we pray. So then that's got to be part of the essential way of helping someone who's struggling. We must talk to God about them. But also, as Paul writes this letter, he's also helping the Ephesians by talking to them, specifically talking to them about God. If we sometimes forget or doubt that prayer works, we certainly forget or doubt how powerful is opening up the Bible with someone. It's very easy to to scoff at that and think that's not powerful enough for the struggles someone is going through. But Paul doesn't see it that way. The, the specific problem for these Ephesians is that they're losing heart in church. You get a sense throughout the letter that they don't think it's very powerful and that God doesn't seem to be doing anything with them. Paul has been imprisoned and so he's not with them anymore. And so maybe they even fear not just Paul, but that God has abandoned them. So with our our first point, growing in power from within the heart, From verses 14 and 17, we think to ourselves, uh, wouldn't it be amazing if everyone really believed that through faith, God is pleased to live in us? One thing people sometimes do when trying to help other brothers and sisters through a, a struggle is to ask them, where do you think God is working in your life? Well, if we follow the logic of this prayer to verse 17, we see that God has not abandoned the church, as the Ephesians fear, and it's not hard to work out where exactly he's working in our life. He is in our hearts through Christ. It is from our hearts that God will work to power our weak inner being from losing heart to a loving heart. Let's work through these first few verses together. When Paul says verse 15, he is praying to the father whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. We must remember a name is so much more significant in Paul's cultural moment. So much of the, the Bible is about God's name. To Israel, it was revealed, it was given, but also it was, uh, rather sadly, it was profaned, it was mistreated. And the way God has restored his name was through Jesus Christ. And he has given all of us who are in Christ his name. So if you were to do a spiritual scan of the the Christian's heart, you would see the name Christ. Uh, In the book of Numbers, there is a, a blessing for God's people that ends by saying, so they shall put my name on the children of Israel. And I will bless them. It's a a blessing and a mark of life with God. If you have his name on your heart. If you look at verse uh, 16, we see that Paul prays to the father who gives his name. And he asks that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. We've seen in the letter how Paul says each Christian is being joined together, growing into a a holy temple in the Lord. And I think he still has that temple image in mind as he, he speaks of the inner sanctuary of a Christian transformed by God's spirit. And as we know, the, the inner sanctuary of the temple was where God could dwell. Look down at verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. When we, when we get to verse 17, the word so can be a bit misleading. I don't think he's saying Christ is absent from the hearts of the Ephesian Christians. But I I think in the context of the whole prayer, he's thinking about growth, a growing power from within the heart, because Christ dwells there. And that helps us to be rooted and grounded in love. Paul wants to transform. a a church that is losing heart to one where hearts are growing in the power of the love of Christ you know how people say when you move into a new house hope you get settled soon and turn the house into a home okay so if you if you buy an empty house it's it's totally yours you you totally own it but once you fill it with all your things, which reflect who you are, then it becomes your home. And it's this idea with Christ dwelling in our hearts, leading us to be rooted and grounded in love and an ever expanding presence of Christ in our hearts, making us established in love. In other words, because of Christ in our hearts, Everything about who we are internally, but also how we live outwardly, reflects the love of Christ. This is something we'll we'll think about and push out in our, our second point. But first, I've learned that in preaching, it's important to emphasise what I'm not saying. And I'm not saying Paul wants us to Follow our hearts. The classic Disney movie wisdom of follow your heart's desire. Paul was, was very clear in chapter 2 that by nature, the desires of our heart move towards the devil. When we're born, what we don't realise until Christ helps us to understand is that our hearts have a satnav with pre-installed coordinates to follow the devil and his schemes i'm not saying follow your hearts paul is saying that through faith christ dwells in our hearts paul asked god to grow the power of christ in our hearts and god Through the spirit empowered presence of Christ gives us a heart that leads us in love. No longer a a heart set to follow Satan, but by the power of Christ, our hearts can be free to live in the love of Christ. And if you look down as we follow the prayer, that is where we move to uh, next in our second point growing the church in perfect unity. Losing heart in church as we have seen as the Ephesian problem Um, it can happen uh, to folks even today uh, for for many reasons Um, and sadly sometimes it's because of things like abuse and there are actually various other reasons where it's not the fault of the person who's losing heart. Other times, however, losing heart may be a symptom of being overly focused on the self and not grasping that Christ is calling you to do something really powerful, to step out of yourself And lovingly embrace the people in your church. What we learn from Paul is that this love of Christ is not something to indulge in alone. As uh, Paul continues to talk to God in verses 18 and 19, notice how what he asks for Is a corporate thing. It's a together thing. His focus is not something to do or or receive individually. He says from verse 18, May have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Through the spirit-empowered presence of Christ, rooted and grounded in love, we may have the strength to fully grasp and understand with all the saints. With all the saints, we know the love of Christ and are filled with the fullness of God. That's an easy uh, thing to see, uh, that it's a, a together thing. But what exactly does it mean? Chapters four to six of this letter, they're going to really challenge us to grow as a church in love. A love that is sacrificial, submissive, uh, a love as incredibly gentle as it is hard work. And I think having a sneak preview will help us to understand this love and this prayer uh, request from Paul. Um, as, a, as a together thing. So let's just uh, go across to chapter 4. And look at verses 15 to 16. Rather, speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. Into Christ. From whom the whole body. Joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Paul knows a Christian that's not losing heart in church, but being grown in power from within, is a Christian who's invested in the growth of the church. Not necessarily in number but in love. The reason Christians function in this very unique and selfless love for each other is because of the love within them. And it's the same love between God the Father and the Son. Let's go to the the Bible to, to help us here. Okay, so just turn with me to the gospel of john the gospel of john chapter 17. john chapter 17 from verses 20 to 26. now uh, a bit of context jesus is in the middle of praying to god god the father for all the people he loves so much that Jesus is going to die for them. And he says, from verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I and them, and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and loved them, even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you, whom you have given me, may be with me, Where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Notice how the love between the Father and the Son results in perfect unity in the people who come to Christ. Verse 21, that they may all be one. And then verses twenty. 2 to the first part of 23. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be as one as we are one, I and them, and you and me, that they may become perfectly one. Being brought into this love between the Father and Son. To know the love of Christ is something we do together, and we do it in a way that makes us perfectly one. Turn back to me then uh, to Ephesians chapter 3. Only when each and every saint knows this love can the church be completely filled the fullness of God. That's why we must talk to God for each other and talk to each other about God. Each member of the body of Christ must be grown fully in a love that brings us all closer together as one. To know the love of Christ is to be moved to care for every brick in this temple Every member of the body. A wise man once said to me. A member at church is like a finger on your hand. Part of the same body. Let me encourage anyone who who might be feeling like loving people in this way is just too hard. Maybe thinking of someone as a a finger on your hand is just too close. Maybe you're thinking, all of this, it just sounds impossible to get to a place of showing this kind of love to anyone or, you know, to someone like me or the person next to you or the visitor you've never met who one day walks through that door. I was telling someone recently about how when I first started going to church, one of the ways I struggled was trying to find the motivation and the courage to go and speak to all these people I'd never met, who I assumed wouldn't want anything to do with me, let alone uh, the challenge of, of going up to the ones who were Quite strange and and awkward. But it felt like something within me. Was pushing me. To make the effort to do it anyway. I didn't have the understanding at the time. But as I look back. I know. It was Christ in my heart. Okay. Now that, that didn't make it feel easier. It was still hard. But he gave me the strength to keep trying. I said to myself, each Sunday after the service, I'm going to find a person I'm, a, I'm most afraid to reach out to and I'm going to love them. And honestly, it didn't always go well. But sometimes it did. And I can think of one particular guy who became really important to me And it's still such a big part of my life. I'm not saying uh, today I'm, I'm totally without that struggle. But like a muscle that receives regular training, I'm growing in a functional strength. And so if you're secretly thinking I could never have the strength to love people. Then why not ask God to help you? I'm not saying he will grab you like a puppet on strings. It will probably feel like you take the first step alone. But you should know that you're not. He is with you. Christ is in your heart and is pleased to give you all that is needed to participate in the love of Christ that grows this Edinburgh North Church family. And knits us together. Let's remind ourselves of these glorious truths in verses 20 to 21 with our final point. Growing God's glory in the church forever. We call this praise of God at the end of this prayer. A doxology. That's the the technical name. And notice in verse 20 how Paul praises God for working through us, even though we never realise just how capable God is of working through people like us, through weak and tired creatures like myself. And I think that's a, a great encouragement. All because uh, all because of, and through the power at work within us. If you're doubting you could ever step out and try showing a, a much bolder and courageous, intimate love towards your church family, then really take in verse 20. God is able to do far more abundantly than than all that we ask or think. And if, like me, you you do have to remind yourself, remind yourself that prayers actually work, that talking to God about people does something, but also that simply opening up the Bible with someone talking about God to people does something, then really Take in verse 20. But I think the most helpful thing to know in these verses. Is that all that our father does. Brings glory not to us. No matter how much we grow as a, a church in maturity and perfect unity. It's of no glory to us. But glory to him. Glory to our Father in the church and in Christ forever. God accomplished his plan to unite all things in Christ when he raised Christ from the dead. And through that same power working within us, he will bring us as a church to perfect unity and raise us from the dead as one people. At the resurrection, and on that day, when we stand together, we will finally be filled with the fullness of God, and glory will be to God. I uh, I remember one particular moment when I felt really burdened by my past, by all the. Mistakes and the sin that pervaded my life. All the ways that I had hurt people in my past. I had never really managed to love people well and I wasn't really sure if I'd ever seen love between anyone. How could I manage to do a a good job at loving these people at church? How could they ever love a, a sinner like me? And a brother from church said to me, if Christ can take Paul from killing and persecuting Christians to giving his own life to love them, how easy it is for Christ to do the same with you. And how right that brother was. And so glory be to God. We must never stop thanking God for this power within us to be a loving church family and never stop asking him to help us grow deeper in his love. But we must also ask for him to show us where we are blind to the ways we fail to love people around us in an incredibly sacrificial, selfless, challenging and affectionate love that is the love of Christ. So before we stand together and praise him, let's pray and ask God for the strength to step out in love for our church today in a way that's beyond anything that feels possible. Maybe that looks like asking someone you haven't before how to pray for them or to ask them if they'd join you in looking at the Bible together. Two things that couldn't seem more unlike power, and yet through which our Lord most powerfully works to unite us in love. So let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, having heard your word. We pray that your Holy Spirit would strengthen us with power in our inner beings. We pray that we as your church would know the love of Christ. We pray that you would work by this power within us to bring glory to you. We pray for the courage to step out beyond what feels possible this morning in a sacrificial love, one that is selfless, one that is affectionate, one that is challenging. We pray that you would help us, Lord, help us to love one another because of the love of Christ within us, in whose name we pray. Amen.